Good evening and welcome to worship on this Christmas Eve. We've almost made it, almost. And if you are like me, after the day you've had and likely the next few hours yet to come, it is nice to just sit here for just a moment in the peaceful, quiet, and in the calm of this moment as we begin the process of ushering in Christmas. Thank you to the choir, to our guest musicians, to Bob for putting so much music into our season all season long. The only announcements I want to make, tomorrow morning we will be here. We hope some of you will join us at 10 o'clock. Come as you are, come in your pajamas if you want to, that's fine. 10 o'clock, there'll be a lot of singing, very informal. We want you to sit close, the piano will be in the middle and we'll do a lot of singing together. Uh, in the morning and then we'll do a 10 o'clock service again on New Year's Day. Um, good news, Christmas doesn't fall on Sunday again for 11 years. Let us give thanks and rejoice about that. And yet, it is a bit appropriate to worship together on Christmas Day, the day when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It is a good day to gather, so we hope we will see some of you uh, here tomorrow, and we will be live, stream live streaming as well. As the opening voluntary plays, I will be lighting candles that have led us to the moment of lighting the Christ candle. It took four weeks to get here. It took a candle of hope, it took a candle of peace, it took a candle of joy, and it took a candle of love to light the Christ candle that we will light a little bit later in the service. So take all of that hope and all of that peace and all of that joy and all of that love into your being into these moments as we usher in Christmas together.
People of God, hear this ancient good news that is so relevant and so needed for this day. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. Christians know Jesus, this Christmas child, by many names. We call him the Christ, Messiah, Savior, Lord, Redeemer. Perhaps the best critique I ever heard of our theological affirmations came from a Jewish writer who asked simply, if Jesus was the Redeemer, then why is the world so obviously not yet redeemed? Good question. As we celebrate his coming so very long ago, it is worth our taking a moment, even on Christmas Eve, to ask, if the world is not redeemed, why not? And what are we as Christians doing in his name, or not doing, to redeem the world? You can trace the knock-knock jokes back to the early 1900s, which means that children have been giggling and grown-ups have been rolling their eyes and groaning for over a hundred years. One that works very much for tonight. Knock-knock. Lettuce. Lettuce in. It's cold out here. See? That's the only one I'm going to tell tonight. You're welcome. But when trying desperately to find something new to say on Christmas Eve, one tends to find oneself resorting to knock-knock jokes to get your attention. I think it might make sense in just a minute, though. All through Advent, we have waited for Christmas. We've looked at different short phrases from the biblical story that has led us to this story from Luke 2 tonight. We focused on less words with more intention. Week 1, we talked about keep awake. Week 2, prepare the way. Week 3, what you see and hear. And week 4 was in this way landing us with tonight's all-important word, do not be afraid. Yeah, right. Give me a break. This is impossible since so much of our lives are ruled by and motivated by and informed by and dominated by fear. It's the best marketing strategy ever. It's the best political tactic. It's the oldest and best trick in the book to control people and to manipulate them into acting a certain way or responding in a certain manner. Plus, it's just a natural response to so many situations. Do not be afraid, seriously. Fear is everywhere all the time, so pervasive that we don't even notice it or name it for what it is often. We are afraid of disease, so we put off screenings. We are afraid of rejection, so we don't risk vulnerability. 
We're afraid of the unknown or we are afraid of change, so we stick with what is comfortable and become risk averse. We are afraid of being scammed, so we play it safe. We're afraid of death, so we go to extreme lengths to prolong life in ways that are often horrific and burdensome for everyone, including the dying. We're afraid of not having enough, so we hoard. We're afraid of all the potential bad things that might happen, so we become reclusive. On one of the stretches of our walk on the Camino last summer, about 73 miles into our journey, we were discussing how to pack for such an excursion. We were discussing what we had brought that we didn't need and what we had left behind that we wish we had included. And as we talked about what there was to learn from this pilgrimage experience, one person noted that we usually just pack our fears. I'm afraid it's going to rain, so I'll pack rain gear. I'm afraid I'm going to get hungry, so I pack some snacks. Keep thinking that all the way through, and you'll realize that as you rummage through the backpack of your life, you will likely find your fears packed in every little nook and cranny. Now, some of you are thinking, justifying, well, I just like to be prepared. You keep telling yourself that if you want to. Or, better yet, unpack your fears and then listen to the angel of the Lord one more time. Do not be afraid. It's one of the most repeated verses, repeated phrases in all the Bible, notably 365 times to be exact. One fear not for each day of the year. But did you know that love tops fear? Coming in at 538 mentions in the New Revised Standard Version. That's 173 more loves than fears. A few of those extra loves to be packed in the backpack of your life to help counterbalance all the fear that you carry. Now this whole do not be afraid thing really is a waste of breath. As one blogger noted, there are certain things you can say to me that are guaranteed to have me to do exactly the opposite thing. Telling me to calm down will not, in fact, help me to calm down. To be honest, I'm pretty sure that telling anyone to calm down has never in the history of the world actually worked. Right along with calm down comes the equally useless phrase, don't worry or chill or its companion, relax, I've got this, which is most often spoken by someone who rarely ever has it. <laughs> These are all phrases likely to have the opposite effect. We can add to them the classic, do not be afraid. 
But it never seems to fail as soon as we find someone in the Bible in a time of disaster or at the start of a massive, impossible task, God shows up in one form or another and says, do not be afraid. In our story for tonight, the classic reading of Luke's telling of the birth of Jesus, how terrifying it must have been to be in labor and no room in the inn. Now Mary, she had already received her own personalized version of do not be afraid when she found out that she would surely be labeled and ostracized for the scandal of an unwed pregnancy. Don't be afraid, Mary. Joseph had gotten his very own do not be afraid all around the stigma that would surely accompany raising someone else's child as his own. Don't be afraid, Joseph. In the portion that Russ read to the children tonight, it was the shepherds, the scum of the earth, the hated, the social outcast shepherds that heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ when they were told, do not be afraid. You see, they were receiving good news that night, but we don't trust good news. We don't expect good news. We aren't prone to believe good news. We've been duped before, making it hard for us to trust. So Mary got one of the do not be afraid, so we're down to 364. Joseph got another one, that leaves 363. The shepherds got theirs, leaving 362 do not be afraid in the Bible. God must have understood that we are a fearful bunch. And doing what any good parent does, God says things to us that probably won't do much good, but we just have to say them anyway. My father always said to me, even after I was a parent myself, don't drive so fast and don't follow too close. If he said it to me once, he has said it to me a million times. Those words have never really impacted my driving skills, as evidenced by the speeding tickets I've gotten along the way. But his earnest consistency in saying it to me every time I walked out of his front door with keys in my hand, it was a reminder to me of the all-encompassing, powerful love that he had for me. Don't drive so fast, don't follow too close, was just another way of saying out of his own fears, I love you. I think every time we hear, do not be afraid from God, it's code for you are my beloved. I've cracked the code Do not be afraid means I love you from God. God knows we're going to be afraid. It's why we need the constant daily reminder 
And God answers our fears with love. That is the Christmas story in a nutshell. See, I'm bringing you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. Do not be afraid. This is our best hope, for it will bring peace and radiate joy, and it is love. I found an old proverb that described it this way. Fear knocked at the door. Love answered. And no one was there. I'm going to do it again, and you really picture what I'm saying. Fear knocked at the door. Love answered, and no one was there. So, knock, knock. Love. Love was born at Christmas, and that's no joke. Merry Christmas. Go in peace.